We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. Hi, I'm Yui Xu. And I'm Julie Kraftchik. We're active daters turned dating sociologists. Here to dive into everything modern dating and relationships. Welcome to the Dateable Podcast. Dateables, on off season, getting ready for our official season. Last bonus episode before we kick off season 18 of Dateable Podcast. Whoa. I feel like season 18 like has already come because UA and I have been so hard at work recording it. Yeah. And we're so excited yes. to bring this season because I think this season might be one of our strongest. Clearly, I say that a lot, but I do feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> 18 is a big number. It, 18 is when you leave the house after high school. 18 is when you can vote. It's a big number. And every season, you know, things get a little more matured. I was yeah. listening back to some of our earlier episodes. And, you know, if you ever want to go through UA and I's life in terms of, you know, how we d- thought about dating, how Our we progression, progression. Yes, that's the word I was looking for progression. There is no better way than the documented 200 episodes that we have. And just hearing myself and just what I was going through and thinking about to now it's so crazy to look back at it that way. And a lot of you listen out of order. So you might have listened to an episode from like two years ago or th- four years ago, and you reference something from it. And sometimes Julie and I'd be like, what, what, were, what were we talking about? What was that about again? But the latest, I love getting this review because we were talking about fluffing season. You know, this is something Julie and I started last year. It's like, fuck cuffing season, mm-hmm. which is all about chasing and finding. Fluffing season is about fluffing yourself up, focusing on yourself and making yourself into the best possible you and you'll attract the right people for you. So we, we want to rebrand it as fluffing season, but we were like, if we were to make t-shirts out of fluffing season, what would be the slogan? And someone wrote in in their review and she said, <laughs> here's some, some of my suggestions. Got lots of fluffs to give. Oh, I love, love that. that. <laughs> There's fluffing more where that came from. <laughs> don't fluff off come fluff with me (laughs) holy fluff balls oh fluff yes and home is where the fluffers are this is incredible really incredible so i guess this kind of goes into news on my side 
but oh are you fluffing i'm fluffing i'm fluffing <laughs> but i mean you guys know this but i have left my corporate job to work full-time on dateable and other content creation this is huge it is and i'm very excited about this and why i bring it up in this moment is because there's so much we want to be doing Mm -hmm. like t-shirts and merch and all this Mm, stuff like we mm want to make these fluffing merch (laughs) but you and i've been doing this podcast like on the side for so many years and honestly even just the fact of how far we've gone not having it be Mm -hmm. full-time that we were like on cnn and featured in new york times and you know recently we were on apple podcasts homepage for Valentine's Day. I'm not like, like brag. I'm not trying to go there, but just shows me how much this is needed and how much potential this has to go even further and to help more and more people. So putting it out there, sometimes we don't do this stuff not because we don't think it's important. Like we want to do it all, but like there's always like infinite time, but I'm excited to have more time. And also I can't be any more grateful to have Julie as my partner in life, truly Mm. my partner in life. (laughs) This is my longest relationship ever. And mine too. (laughs) (laughs) This is such a huge gamble for anybody who has taken the leap stepping out of their steady, safe, comfy, warm corporate jobs into the unknown is a very scary thing to do. And Julie's done it once before, second time here. And it just shows how much Julie believes in Datable, believes in you all, believes in the mission that we're doing. So I'm so grateful to have, I mean, Julie, take this leap of faith. And I'm so hoping I could do the same. Um, I was like, I don't want to say too much. I'll let you decide what you want to say. But yes. uh, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a secret. You know, we, we both want to do, be doing this full time. It fills our cup and it's also just so aligned with our purpose. Yeah. Um. So hopefully, ho- hopefully we're on that trajectory, but Julie's taking that first step and paving the path for all of us. You know what's so funny is like we had this work offsite where it was actually a really sweet exercise where we had to write a random person like a letter of encouragement mm. and like they had to share something that hadn't gone well in their life in that year and like you didn't know who you were writing for and but, I ended up a coworker not co-worker. like just any yeah, random yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. A coworker it was like an icebreaker activity <laughs> okay. and I wrote one for this guy and he like. I don't know how he identified it was me, but there was like a way to identify it. I'm like Blakey on the exercise fully, but he came over like later and he was just like, that letter that you wrote made me so happy. It made me feel so seen and heard. And it's been just such a rough year and you've given me hope and like all this stuff. And then when I left, you know, my company, he DM me and he's like, I know we (gasps) didn't work that much together, but like that letter still has meant so much. And in that moment, I was like, I mean, he doesn't even, I don't even know if he knows I do this, but like, I was like, this is because of this podcast that like, I'm able to do stuff like that. That is like, you know, what's important to me is to like build up people and to help Mm. them, you know, and that's where I'm going. And I'm like, nothing was more clear than in that moment. This sounds so stupid when I'm saying it, but like in that moment, I was just like, yep, I'm I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. That's gotta be, yeah, that's gotta feel so good too. Cause you didn't know who you're speaking to. Yeah, it's incredible. So huge news. Yes. <laughs> Round of applause again. Standing ovation. And it, it just means we're going to get more fluffy shirts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the point of what I'm saying is now I actually could make the fluffing shirts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful. Yes. Uh, and 
relating this back to this bonus episode, we were on an episode of Thirsty, the podcast with Heather and Laura, who were on our podcast. They're two divorcees navigating the dating scene again, and it's even better the second time around. And we talk about dating apps, online dating, how we can use it to our advantage and how we can stop shitting on it because it's not there to make our lives worse. It's actually there to help us. So it's a great episode and we love we love talking to Laura and Heather. Yes. We were in Joshua Tree when we did this episode. <laughs> so you might notice from our mics, that's why we were in Joshua Tree. Oh, you know what? That's <laughs> when we kind of planted the seed of, right? Of like manifesting this, yeah. this departure for you. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was a big part. It's been like a, a thought process for a yes. while, not a light decision. I'll say that. Like no. it's been a it's been a while. I know it's like kind of like almost kind of weird, like what I actually gave notice because I'm like, I've been thinking about this for so long. Right. Yes. But yeah, it was, I think Joshua Tree was definitely a factor. You and I had a moment out in Joshua Tree. It was like, honestly, I still think about this moment because no one was there. We were like uh-huh. the only ones out there. In the hot tub? No. I mean, oh, we had so many one? moments. So <laughs> many moments. <laughs> which moment are you thinking of? <laughs> I'm thinking when we actually went to Joshua Tree. Oh, yes. Inside yeah, the park. Inside yes, yes, the yes. park. And for anyone that hasn't been to Joshua Tree, it is the most magical place. And for anyone that has been, I've actually been before, but mm-hmm. I went in the day and going at mm-hmm. sunset. You were so right on. You always like, we got to go at this hour. It was yes. like right before, like during like sunset, right? Uh-huh. And that was the time because no one was there. It just like there was something about just the aura of the whole place, especially being there alone. <laughs> and we like had this moment, you know, we were like, we've reached thousands of people. Next year, it's millions, millions. <laughs> I'm laughing so hard because I'm thinking of another moment in Joshua the, Tree. The keys. <laughs> okay, oh. for anyone. <laughs> so Yue is a great yeah. photographer. She's a super <laughs> selfie master. And she's like, I got this. I'm going to put the phone on the ground. Like, we're going to get all these great photos. <laughs> and then we're leaving. And she's like, uh... I don't know where my keys are. Yeah, to the car. We drove <laughs> car. into yeah. Joshua Tree. I put my keys down on the ground thinking, oh, it's next to this Joshua Tree. I'll know exactly where it is. <laughs> they all look the same. Yes, to take and a selfie, basically. Took all these selfies and videos and they were wonder- wonderful. <laughs> the sun is setting. We're like, perfect time to leave now. It's getting dark. Where the fuck are my keys? I, I like, did have a moment of panic. Like, I oh thought my you God. were joking at first, like fucking with me. And then I'm like, oh my God, she's serious. And she's like, have you seen them? And I'm like, <laughs> you were like, let's backtrack to that last place that we took a, like, a photo. And I'm like, I don't even know where that is. They all look the same. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, we just manifested all this. And now we're yeah. going to get eaten alive in Joshua Tree. Two girls found in Joshua oh Tree God. from starvation. We would have called an Uber. But that's... <laughs> Good. Oh, good. I'm glad we had a backup plan. <laughs> oh, that was that was epic. Yeah, there were several moments, but yes, that was a also a very memorable memorable moment. It's these moments, though, when you think big and think about what it is that we want to accomplish. They're so energizing because 
yeah, we can get caught up in the day to day. And I'm sure you all listening to this, you feel the same way, right? You can get caught up in what you need to do today, your checklist, Mm -hmm. your to-do list, your tasks, your job, your family. And then when you pull back just for a moment to think like, what is it that I, what's that mark I want to leave in this world? That kind of brings a whole new perspective and it brings meaning into what you do. I think just pulling back for bigger picture, and this applies to dating too, right? We get so caught up in every interaction and every little thing. And I think for us with Joshua Tree, it was that time just pull back and be like, Mm -hmm. okay, we had some really good conversations that part of why, I mean, not delayed, but like part of why we're doing like season 18 a little later than normal is because we gave things a little more thought and we wanted to Mm -hmm. be more, you know, intentional, use the buzzword intentional, but intentional about our content. Yeah. It does remind me, our Joshua Tree trip reminds me of your trip to Calistoga for your solo trip just setting your intentions again for when you get back into dating. I think we need just to give ourselves breathing room to just let things marinate and then take those steps. We're always like constantly on the go, 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 action, action, action. But a lot of the genius in what we do is in the inaction and just reflecting. Speaking of trips... Yeah. How was your trip to oh, yeah, London and even... Paris? I know it's there's <laughs> been a lot that's gone on this week, like personally, that's just been hard to connect. But yeah, I've yeah, been you and I haven't even connected. To, yeah, on this you. trip, oh, it was wonderful, and, and it was not perfect, which is exactly what I expected. When you take a big trip with someone that you just recently started dating, it does show what life mm-hmm. could be like with them, and it was pretty much beyond my expectations because he brings out the best communicator in me. And I feel like in those times that it got tough because he was really there for work and it was Mm. actually very serious work he had to do. I was there pretty much to play. So we were on, you know, different vibes, but we were able to, at the end of the night, to really be on the same frequency and to speak the same language. The first couple of days might have been a little tumultuous, but we were able to get past that. And I just really appreciate him for something about him, the way he communicates just really in empowers me to communicate in the best way possible. So it was really wonderful, even though it was raining the whole time in London. I don't know how people do it, uh, (laughs) but they do. And I was able to meet up with some old friends. I had a a friend from college I hadn't seen in 10 years. She moved to London 10 years ago and she's still there and she's applying for citizenship now, which is nuts. Yeah. With her boyfriend. They've been there for 10 years, more than 10 years. Isn't that crazy? Like sometimes you just pick up your life and go somewhere and then it becomes your home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought I'd be an SF for one year. 16 years later. Has it really been 16 years? Yeah. Dang. Yep. I'm really excited to hear. First of all, I'm excited to meet your partner. I'm going to get to meet him. Uh, It was funny because I was back east and my sister-in-law, who is an avid listener, she's like, (laughs) what do you think of UA's new partner? And I'm like, I haven't met him yet. But I I said to her, I was like, what I, I don't know him, so I can't comment in any way about him. But what I do know is that I haven't seen UA like this. And Mm. when I say like this, like, I feel like you're showing up as your most authentic self. Mm. And I feel like I've, I can see it just in the way you talk about him in the way you talk about your interactions, more than past partners I've known you through. Mm. So for that, I really like him. And 
I think some of that obviously is the right person brings it out in you, but yeah. also the fact that you've grown too, right? Absolutely. And I hope that even if this relationship becomes a long-term relationship, that our it keeps evolving into a more mature yeah. phase of the relationship, right? It's never going to look exactly the same. So I appreciate, I appreciate that. I'm yeah. growing. <laughs> yes. Yes, you are. And so are we. So <laughs> we are excited for season 18 again next week. Make sure to tune in. If you're not already subscribed, make sure to do that so you get it immediately. If you haven't left us a rating and review, please do. It yeah. makes us so happy. Like UA was able to do today, we were able to reference some of the reviews. Yeah. Honestly, we've been going through a lot of them recently just to get all the brunch talk questions, which there have been quite a bunch. And that will also resume the Sunday after our season launches. And we are excited to be back into that as well. So yeah, leave a rating and review, join Big Datable Energy on Facebook and at Datable Podcast on Instagram. Okay. Before we get into it, let's hear a message from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Via. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the high love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATABLE at ViaHemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to ViaHemp.com and use the code DATABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's ViaHemp.com and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from ViaHemp. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Wall. Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often in hours. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one-day rule on its head and offer back-to-back -back deals.
deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code DATABLE and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. Okay, let's hear our episode on Thirsty. Thank you so much for joining us today. Heather and I are so excited for our guests. We have Julie Kraftchik and Yue Shu, um, who are the co-hosts of the wildly successful podcast Dateable, where they position themselves as dating sociologists to empower their listeners to be successful in love. To top it off, Yue has a wealth of experience as both a dating coach and as a dater. And in addition to honing her dating expertise through her personal experience, Julie used her technology background to build something that everyone listening will know that I love, a platform called 500 Brunches. Anything that brings people together to socialize over brunch is a winner in my book. Julie and UA, we are so thrilled to have you here with us today. And we couldn't have found a better discussion for the four of us, the wild and often weird world of dating apps. <laughs> Thanks for having us. We're so excited to be here. Um, before digging into what we know is going to be a fun conversation, I thought we could level set a little bit on our collective dating app experiences. I'll go first. Um, I've been off and on the apps for over the past five years since I got divorced. And if the app exists, I have probably tried it. Um, I'm always trying to figure out if there's a better or different way to do dating. So I have downloaded, I think, every single one multiple times and dumped a lot of money into dating apps, unfortunately. <laughs> and about a year ago, I um, accidentally matched with somebody on Bumble who lives in a different state, and I've been happily dating him ever since. So I've been off the apps for a minute. What What do you mean you accidentally matched? I, I like to know more about that. <laughs> I am very guilty of sleep swiping. So I'll have my phone in my hand with the dating app open and I accidentally swipe on people and I would never swipe on somebody who isn't local. And his profile was very clearly that he lived in a different state and he happened to be coming through O'Hare and never opens up his dating apps when he would be traveling for work. But that day he had a layover and so he had his app open. I somehow swiped on him. I do not remember seeing his profile at all. And the next morning I had him in my my queue and dating was kind of not going great for me at that time. So I'm like, well, great. I'll just message him. And I did. And then we fell in love. So. Oh, that's amazing. It was a happy accident. <laughs> what a great story. I just love it that sleep swiping landed you with the love of your life. It was pure, like for real, the universe <laughs> coming in for you. Um, I think I've used all the apps too at a certain point over the last few years since I've been divorced, which now I think has been about three years. Um, I've been in a monogamous relationship for the last year and a half, but we have broken up a couple times. And we all know I love to get back on apps same day, have a breakup. I'll be back on those apps in a few <laughs> hours just to make myself feel better. Um, I did use apps during the great breakup of spring 2023 with boyfriend, but then I ended up dating one guy for a little bit. And then I just got sick of it, quit all the apps. And obviously I'm back together with boyfriend at this point. But at my height, I actually feel like the cheese may stand alone. Tinder's my favorite app. Called Whoa. myself Queen of Tinder at one point. 7,000 <laughs> in my queue. You're the first person I've heard ever say that. It's always worked out for me for some reason. The other one's not so much. I mean, I guess we'll start with our experience. I have been on dating apps since Tinder was not a thing. Like when it first 
started in 2012. I was actually on Match and the old school dating apps. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I guess not even dating apps. They were the websites that you had to have a screen name. You had to go in the privacy of your home, and it was shameful that you were doing this. So then when (laughs) Tinder came about, I remember because like I'm live in San Francisco, where you know there's new apps getting promoted every day and blossoming and being on apps just is no, is the norm there. So in 2012 is when Tinder started. And I remember thinking it was the best thing ever because you've got that instantaneous message and match where on match.com, you would wait like weeks to get that. And I remember this is my first memory of Tinder is I was so excited that I got a match. I ran to my roommate and I was like, someone already messaged me. You've got to get on this thing. She's like, what did they say? And I'm like, DTF question mark. What does that mean? (laughs) She's like, I'm not doing that. (laughs) But I, I'm a pro app. I've met two partners on apps. Uh, My current partner, we would have never met if it wasn't for apps. I'm so grateful that they bring you together with people. And, you know, I've met wonderful people on apps. So it, it kills me when people just are upset and thinking that they're ruining their lives, because I think there's such a great way to meet people in today's world. Apps um, also have been the bane of my existence, but also, you know, the source of my happiness. My first legitimate real boyfriend as an adult was from match.com Still back in the match.com days, we dated for five years. And then I had a significant two-year relationship that I met on the league. Uh, But in between, I've done all the apps, done Tinder, which I have also had success on. So I I would never knock Tinder. I think it's just, you know, you just have to get through some crap before (laughs) you get to the good stuff. Uh, And also now getting out of a almost five-year relationship, I'm slowly getting back on the apps, but I'm really interested in specialty ones. So I was on Badoo, which is more of like uh, a global app that nobody uses in the US. So I'm curious to see who I find mm. in the US. And I'm I'm probably going to get on field eventually. I'm very, very interested in that one. Yeah, I have several friends on field and they actually love it. They have had really good experiences with it. I, I would say better than a lot of my friends on the more mainstream apps. Hinge was definitely my app of choice. That's where I met both of my partners and my current partner. And I basically was using that only by the end, like that and Bumble occasionally, but Hinge was my primary. I see that shift too. When I first got divorced, Bumble was my first app that I used and I got great matches and I met a boyfriend off of that app. And then when I got out of that relationship and was back on that Bumble was just terrible. So I'm actually shocked that that is the impetus for my current relationship, but like far less matches, far less people. Um, and you, you are the first person I think I've ever heard who met somebody legit off of the league. So congrats to you. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that, Laura, because I was amazed too, when you said that. You, <laughs> I think I'm the only one I know as well. <laughs> I had high hopes for that one too. I'm like, this is the answer. It's more curated group. No, it's literally everybody just on that app and less matches and more money. Like, yeah, (laughs) yeah. All right. Now that our listeners can rest assured that between the four of us, we have absolutely (laughs) seen it all. (laughs) I am so excited to kick off this conversation talking about what you share in your current season opener, which is about the 80-20 rule of dating apps. 
And for any of those who haven't heard about this or who may not be in the know, there is a fairly popular article that has been circulating that says or that posits that the top 20% of men are getting 80% of the likes from women. With the caveat that research on dating app trends can be spotty at best. But what's your (laughs) perspective on that? Do you think this rings true? Are the majority of women vying for a very small percentage of men on the apps? Yeah, I I think we definitely see. Obviously, we don't have the research to prove it, but you definitely see it. We've seen it with our guy friends. Uh, You can tell, you know, who's getting all of the the matches. And it's not so much that they're such great catches is that they have really great profiles. They know exactly what to do, what to say, what pictures to post to get the most amount of women in their funnel. It's just like marketing. They're just really good at marketing themselves. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I, um, you know, I actually brought this up to my boyfriend at one time and I was, cause I, I mean, I've heard it from a lot of the men that I've got on dates with over the years. They're like, oh, women have it so much easier. And, you know, I want to put out that we're talking in a, in a heterosexual situation yeah. that this applies to, but this is something I heard from a lot of the men I went out with and like, oh, women have it so easy. However, I brought it up to my boy, my current boyfriend. He was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I had never had any problem getting matches or dates. I was like, okay, well, you're yeah. in the 20%, obviously. <laughs> I mean, there's some guys that we've seen their cues and it's out of control. And then we hear from other people that they have no one. So I, I do believe it again, like we don't have the exact numbers, but I think like we even like see, you know, women in our listener, like women that are listeners, then friends of ours. It's that people really fixate on that profile so much. And I know even like from my personal experience, like both of my partners that I met on apps, like they had okay profiles, but it was because they were that diamond in the rough. Like they were better than their profile. Like I think having a good profile is actually like the one skill you don't need in a relationship. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I wonder too, with, you know, how much geographic location comes into play. We're in the Chicago area. You all are in the Bay area. So highly populated with, you know, I would say a good number of single people at different age ranges, things like that. My boyfriend is in a more, you know, smaller city, less populated state, like the dating culture there isn't great. And he's like, I never had more than one match at a time, which is probably why he was so responsive to me when we matched because that was like his one match that week. And for us, it's so different. And I wonder like how much that, you know, comes into play because I think it is harder depending on where you're at. Oh yeah. There are cities that you go to and you can swipe to the end of your matches. That's definitely happened to me before, but for, but even in those smaller cities, you still know there's like a tw- top 20%. It's the same. We equate it to real estate. You go on Redfin and you know exactly which houses are getting looked at the most because they're trending. They're hot. They're trending. It's because they have amazing photos. There's these descriptive words they use that are so dreamy and fantastical. You can picture your life in this house. They know exactly what they're doing, but it doesn't mean that they're necessarily a better house than the next one. They're just... Right better at packaging marketing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you're so right. There've been a few people I'm thinking back over uh, my history of dating now in the last few years. And there were definitely a few men that had amazing profiles and you're right. I think that's something that we all can remember is that profiles often don't have everything to do with who that person is in real life, mm-hmm. how they're going to treat you, how they're going to act, how they're going to connect with you. Those things don't necessarily correlate. And I know in my life, often it didn't correlate. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that's the problem with dating apps. Like, again, I'm very pro dating app. I think they're a great resource. That being said, they make us focus on the wrong qualities because what we see is someone's height. We see where they work. We see like 
superficial traits and that's what we get anchored to. We have no idea if they're a kind person. We have no idea if they're even funny or like the vibe of them. So there's so much emphasis put on this 2D profile and like a line of text and you just can't believe who someone is that way. Yeah. And I think it lets you give them a little bit more of a free pass too, because you get really tied into what, how you think they are based off of this very nicely put together profile. And when they don't live up, you kind of just like, you know, give them a pass and be like, all right, but there was a reason I matched with them and liked them. So they must be great, but not everybody is going to be great in person. No. And you fill in the blanks. Like you, it's your imagination. So much of dating is what we have visioned for this person. And it might not actually be who that person is at all. Gosh, that's such a good point. And I think that's a really good thing to like make real a really strong point about is I think so much in dating to your point, Julie, we have this fantasy of how things yes. are going to be and what they we want them to be. And we forget to really react to what's actually happening in real life and what's actually being shown, how things are actually going, because we keep thinking about potential. Um, I know he's great. Deep down, he's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. And that kind of leads us down the wrong road. Or they fit what I'm looking for. As we know, right. I always dated partly based off of location. Oh, they're really close to me. So yes. certainly yes. these other things can work out because <laughs> they fit the parameters that I've set and what I want. And that's yeah. better than the person who's an hour away from me. So I'm going to like be more invested here when like in hindsight, I shouldn't even go on a date with them. Yeah, we need to quit the whole he's good on paper thing because that whatever they are on paper really has nothing to do with anything. And we need to quit it with that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. But I am curious to know for both of you being divorced, do you still have that same issue? Because you've seen the other side of relationships and marriage. A lot of this comes from people who are still fantasizing about Mm -hmm. marriage with someone and what it forever looks like. Do you still run into the same like fill in the blank issues on apps? You know, I think the biggest challenge is confronting things in yourself because I know, I think leading into marriage is something that even if, if someone were to ask me before I got married, do you feel like you need to get married? Do you feel like you need that white picket fence? I'd be like, no, of course not. That's a lie. Like, I think that's so deeply embedded. Like it's even a subconscious thing. Whereas now I'm like, maybe you marriage is not for everyone. Maybe, you know, this partnership thing is not for everyone. Partnerships can look like eight different kinds of things or more. Um, I know I, for sure, for my part have given up the checklist there. I have zero checklist. I feel like at this <laughs> point, it's what makes me happy. What feels good. And that may be not living with someone. I mean, Laura's in love with someone who doesn't even live here. She has to get on a plane to go see this man. And I don't <laughs> think that was on your bingo card at all, Laura. No, but it's taken me a lot of years, I feel like, to get to that point, because also coming out of marriage, you try and recreate what's comfortable and what you know. So my first relationship post-divorce was very serious, multiple years. And I thought, all right, if we just get engaged, then I'll feel more comfortable or whatever. Like I was so pointed toward that, even though... I don't know that the relationship worked for me in the ways it needed to work, but it was comfortable and familiar. And so it takes a lot of time, I feel like, to untangle all of that and really like be a solidly good dater, which is why we know there's a lot of stigma about dating someone immediately post-divorce. And that's just because you're trying to figure so much out and you just hop back into these patterns. Well, there's so much to unravel. And like we've been told, I mean, especially as women, like I think this is applicable for all, but especially for women, it's like we've been fed these like rom-com stories like this is how love works that you want the tall guy because he's going to protect you like Mm -hmm. all this stuff that's so ingrained in us and it's really hard 
to get out of our own way and be like, does that matter? Is that actually what's going to be a good relationship? Yeah. I think you really do start to figure out, and, and I know this sounds like a cliche, but I think when, so when I say this, I think divorce teaches you what really matters, which sounds like a duh statement, but I think it goes <laughs> even deeper than you realize. You know, like I remember one year and I recently had this experience um, like when you have a partner, there are things like birthdays and holidays. You kind of expect that person to make it special for you. And I think post-divorce, mm-hmm. we've realized you need to make it special for yourself. And, you know, yes. I, I don't know. I think in the past, like my idea of what makes a good relationship was totally off. Mm. I feel like divorce gives you the opportunity to rethink all of those things and do it in a better way. Mm-hmm. But only if you actually do the work to figure out what's not working and what you need and what really matters. Now to all of these points, what do y'all think? So knowing the difference between like what a profile looks like and then meeting in real life, we all know you might go on 50 <laughs> terrible first dates before you meet someone. You're like, oh, I want, I really want to get to know this person better. Do you have any advice for listeners on maybe things to think about to get yourself better quality matches or figuring out who you should actually go out with? I think filter through the conversation. Like the, we, we can acknowledge that the profile, we've already said this, it does not tell you anything. We love this house party mentality. That's what we call it. When you're swiping, is this someone you would want to invite to a house party? Oh, is this that. someone that looks interesting to you? Someone you get want to get to know better. It doesn't need to be necessarily your next boyfriend or your next like long-term partner, whatever. But if it's a hard no, then you don't need to swipe on them. But if it's a maybe, a maybe is a yes. That's the other mentality. A maybe is a yes. So if you can do that and then filter through the conversation, it's really easy to quickly see who rises to the top, especially in the world of dating apps. There's so many people who put in minimal effort. I think if you're the one pushing the conversation, you can barely get an answer back. We hear people just like continuing to push and push and push because they look good in their profile that's a sign that person is not going to be who you want to be with. And I think, you know, we're actually, the two of us have talked about this a lot. We're kind of disappointed that people don't do video and phone calls as much as in the pandemic. That was a great way. Like, yeah, you're not going to know from a video if this is like your person, but you'll know if you can carry a conversation with them, if you feel good in their presence, like all of that, that those are the filtering mechanisms. Yeah, hard to agree. (laughs) We need to get away from this mentality that we are going to go on 50 terrible first dates before we meet someone great because dating is expensive and it's time consuming. We need to stop going on first dates with people who were like, I don't know anything about them or yeah, sure. Maybe the maybe comes at the beginning when you're matching with them. And then, like Julie said, you filter through the conversation and then you take that to another platform to really gauge how invested they are in wanting to see you. And if you get that investment, yeah, then go on a first date. But if you don't like, why waste your time and money to do that? Yeah. You're hitting on something we say quite a bit, which is quit wasting your own time. Like we have to start taking responsibility for making those choices. And like, if all of your dates are, maybe there's something there. There's never anything there if that's your attitude. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's like, we expect to know instantaneously and that's not realistic either. Like we're probably not going to know from a conversation if it's going to be our person, but we will know if we feel bad. Like if we feel like uneasy, like we have to listen to our body and what's it's telling us to progress because I think so often we see daters just be like, well, I'm just going to try it. 
I know it's not going to go anywhere, but like, I'm going to test it out. And it's like, if you already know that going into the date, now you're just like proving someone like innocent. And that's like, it's not a good way to go into a date at all. Mm-hmm. Well, and apps make it so easy now with the integration of doing video calls. You're not giving out any information to like oh. do that testing ground. And I can't tell you how many first dates I didn't have to go on because yeah. I did those initial steps. Yes. Like one with a man who literally were on a video call and he muted and went to the bathroom. <gasps> I can't like holding the camera to his face is like, we're, and I'm like, please don't do that. He's like, we're doing it. And I was like, what's happening here? Like horrible. Another man on like a regular, just like non-video call ate, must it must have been granola, something very crunchy the entire oh. call. And it was so loud. And I'm like, <sighs> this, this is when you needed to have a snack. Like you knew we had this call. So like, like a 10 minute call. Yeah. Things out that way. Like as Heather and I always talk about, it takes us so long to like get ready for a date. We do our hair and our makeup and all of that. And then, you know, logistics and whatever. And especially as single parents, we only have so much time to like fit yeah. a date in. Like, how do I want to use my free time? So being able to do some of that really easily on my own time was such a game changer. I'm so glad. I'm sorry this happened to you, but I'm so glad you brought up these examples because sometimes people think, oh, I do a video call to see what they look like. Sure. You see what they look like, but I think the the quality you're really gauging here is their respect for you. Yes. And their respect for themselves. If they're crunching on granola or taking you to the bathroom, they have no respect for you or for themselves. <laughs> you can say a hard no to that, right? I have to say that call was a wild ride because within the time frame of the call, he went to the bathroom. He bashed his ex-wife in, which fine, whatever. But like, maybe we don't talk about it on the call. He denied COVID, although he'd had it multiple times. I mean, just thing after thing after thing. It was so horrible. Is this your but- boyfriend now? <laughs> <laughs> Laura was texting me through this entire video date. But I was so lucky. Yeah. I was going to go out on a date with this man. Exactly. So I'm like, oh, he seems fine and whatever. Like, because on text, he was fine. And on a call, not fine. Let's hold that thought for a quick message. I had the same situation like when I was dating before my partner. Like I remember going on a video call and the guy just being like, so I listened to your podcast. Not really my thing. And I'm like, <laughs> look, like you now clearly have no respect for me. Like I don't, it doesn't need to be like you were listening to dating podcasts before me, but you could at least be like, I admire what you're doing. Like, yeah. Show some support or anything. And it wasn't just that there were a bunch of stuff, but I knew I'm like, this is not someone that is going to be a good partner for me. And yeah, he was like great on paper. He was an attractive guy, but it was how he presented itself and how it vibed that you could see. And it wasn't worth the date. Yeah. I feel like the podcast is actually a really like be a very divisive topic as well. I noticed in dating, like if I didn't want to reveal the name of the podcast for like my own, you know, privacy initially with the match, but I talked about it being a dating podcast, then men got angry, would unmatch, would be so difficult because they thought I was just bashing men. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, well, it's actually really supportive and positive and blah, blah, blah. Don't like it. And my current boyfriend is like, you talk about whatever you want to talk about on there. It's such a great outlet for you. Like you can also see where like their character through that because you can go one of two ways. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that I remember when I was in like a more serial dating phase was that I would never put someone's phone number in, like I would never put their name in my phone. Like I would just have their phone number because I went into every day being like, oh, I'm probably never going to see this person again. That is a <laughs> terrible way to go into dates. Terrible. Like, why are you even going on that date? I think the best thing is when you have less people 
but you're actually excited to meet them. Again, it doesn't mean that it's guaranteed that they're going to be wonderful, but at least you're going in with the mentality that you're open to it being something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and that's its own filter too. Cause I found, I mean, I was a total dumpster fire mess and I think that's very normal <laughs> when you're coming off a divorce, like let's go on 800,000 dates and sleep with everyone and all that. It's very fun, but also a disaster at the same time. <laughs> but I think once you get to a pretty healthy place, cause that's where I, you know, when I had this, my boyfriend, and I broke up over this over spring for a few months. And then we realized we missed each other, got back together. But while I was dating, I noticed a huge difference in the way I dated this spring versus from before. Because Julie, I took that approach. Like I only went out with people I was actually excited about. It was a very calm experience. Just like, yes. oh, I'm interested in getting to know this person more versus not. But it also served as its own filter because it was so easy to see the matches that were back in dumpster fire times just from the like mismatch and approach. And so I think that's kind of interesting too. It becomes much easier actually to weed out the ones that are only looking for attention, validation, that aren't here to really get to know you. That becomes so much easier to see, I think, when you get to that healthier, slower, more intentional attitude. And Heather, that's a really great gauge for when you're in a healthy state of mind is that when you think of dating as not a numbers game. Mm-hmm. And we really we really hate it when people go, oh, dating is a numbers game. Just got to get as many matches as possible. No, you don't need to get as many matches matches as possible. You do not need to get as many matches as your girlfriend or your coworker. Like it's not a competition. You just need one or like a few of your poly, but you don't need a thousand people matching with you. And that's also the issue with the 20% too, is like those people created their profiles to appeal to the masses. And sometimes we have to be on apps being like, is this person speaking to me or speaking to the masses? They're trying to get as many people to buy their product as possible. Or it was like, this is really speaking to me uniquely. That's all we really need in dating is just someone who can uniquely speak to you. And you can feel it too when someone is in a numbers game mentality. Yes. You're just a number to them. It's it's interchangeable. Yeah. And that's why I really like think that we need to get away from judging so much off the profile because that's what sets you up to only be with that 20%. And if you think about it, they're getting so many messages going on so many dates, you're just a number to them. And that's not who you're going to actually have a good relationship with. Yeah. When are they ever going to stop? When will it ever be enough? I love that y'all are saying that about the numbers game thing, because it's also making me think about there are things that come out of our mouths that I challenge whether we really believe it in our core. It's almost like we know what we're supposed to say, but our actions say something else. You know, and if you are really in a healthy place, it's not a numbers game. I'm fine the way I am. And I'll go out with someone I'm excited to go out about, but I am not desperate to find someone just to have them in my life entertaining me. You you know what I mean? Like, I think so often it's good to ask ourselves, well, do you really believe that? Are you just saying that? Because, you know, that's that's what you're supposed to be saying. I think putting boundaries around dating too was one of dating apps was one of the biggest things dating too. I remember for me, when I was the last time I was dating, I only really opened the apps on Sunday nights because I didn't want to be like, you know, constantly getting bombarded by messages and making that overtake my life. I actually took off notifications. I think turning those yes. off is huge, huge because it's just constant like reinforcement and pressure and you're always on, you're always getting that next match and talking and all that stuff. I would, you know, the reality is most people are on on Sunday nights anyways. It's the most popular night because you're sitting at home waiting for the work week to start. And that's when you need to have conversations. Like if you match with someone on Sunday and then don't talk till 
Tuesday, it's it's done at that point. Like you need to do it immediately or what's even the point? So that was like a big boundary. And then also not having dates all the time. Like I would try to set them up on Wednesdays and really keep like Friday nights for friends. And, you know, per- even if I didn't have plans with friends, just we call it master dating on our podcast, just like your personal time for yourself, but keeping that balance and not making your whole life revolve around dating yeah. is huge because we see people do the opposite that they fit in like they fit their life around dates. And that is a really scary place to be. Yeah, that is, um, we've talked about this quite a bit before. And I remember it was kind of an aha moment. Laura and I, our, our dumpster, uh, our dumpster dating days slightly overlap. But I remember we both at a certain point had a light bulb moment. I was like, you know what? I have a free night and I'm not going on a date. I'm going to stay home and Mm -hmm. watch a movie or I'm going to go to the gym or Laura, do you want to hang out? You know, those conversations started happening and it felt so much better to not have my life revolve around meeting strangers that maybe I wanted to meet. Maybe I didn't. Yeah. I had one weekend where I had, I think like five first dates. I mean, it was stupid. It was so stupid. But again, with single parenting schedule, it's like you have this cadence, right? Mm. And so I would stack the deck on like a weekend I didn't have my kids. And then that was literally all I was doing. Okay, I've got a morning coffee date and an afternoon drinks date. And it, and I'm such an introvert too. So it is so draining to like go yes. on all of these first dates and you're telling the same, like, you know, your, your date stories, whatever your story you trot out to seem funny or whatever, you're just telling it over and over again. And it was awful. Like that was an awful point in my life. But at the time it was like, oh, well, again, it was a numbers game and it's this and it's that. And you've got to go out on a lot of dates to meet someone. And again, as we know that none of those dates turned into anything. So clearly it was not a numbers game for me. I mean, sadly, the words you're using is exactly what causes dating burnout. And this is why we hear daters go, I installed the apps and I uninstalled. I'm on date dating hiatus. I'm not dating anybody. I'm not going to go on the apps. Dating should be additive. It should be fun. It should be energizing. But if it's draining you, you're dreading it. It's sucking the energy out of you like a vampire. (laughs) Then that's not additive to your life. And that's how most daters date. This is why so many daters have gripes with dating apps. Yeah. It's not the apps. Is it? They're doing it all wrong and they're getting, they're burning themselves out. It's you also mentioned too, it's what you talk about on the date, the having the predefined oh God, story yes. and you, yeah. know, you need to ask this and the date review. That's what we call it when you're more on an interview than a date. That is oh, so worst. painful. Worst. It's painful for the person on the receiving end. For everyone. It's painful for you. <laughs> the best dates I had was when I just started like shooting the shit with someone and it felt like I was meeting up with a friend. Like I remember one of my exes that I met on dating apps, like we were just talking about pranks for like the first like 30 minutes. And then we got into it, but it was so refreshing to not just have that same conversation over and over again. Right. So what we haven't talked about are dating app algorithms, which I feel like this is a divisive topic. I learn a lot of things on TikTok. It's where I spend a lot of my time when I'm, I'm not on dating apps anymore. So clearly I'm just typing uh-huh. through TikTok all the time. Um, and I saw one the other day where a woman was sharing how, you know, Hinge had worked for her. And then she was showing how she got married to, I guess, whoever she had matched with on Hinge. So she's all happy. Another woman stitches um, her video and says that that woman's experience, like she was happy for her and was very positive. She's like, but that experience is the exception and not the rule that um, when two people meet and subsequently date, that is just an algorithmic accident and that apps are there just to take your money and they don't want you to find love, which I saw that 
it's a, yeah, yeah like <laughs> apps are they're corporations they're there to make money they're there to take your money every month they build out features so that you're paying them all of that right so and it's tough because i feel like we've all spent a lot of time on apps where we've all met people i think we've all shared that we have met people off of dating apps that have become real relationships so is that the exception is that a possibility for everybody if they're using the apps, right? Like, how do you feel about it? Rolling my eyes so hard. Because so, <laughs> you can also say the same thing about the universe. Whoever the universe delivers to you is also an algorithm, right? Mm-hmm. It's also algorithmic accident, as she would call it. I think it's like, what what do you believe? And do you want to believe in the good of the apps? Or do you want to believe in the evil of, of the apps? There, we've had many listeners who are like, there's certain tricks you can do. Like you can delete your profile and read, mm-hmm. you know, and then become fresh meat. But like, who cares? You're not, again, you're not trying to appeal to the masses. You're just trying to find one or a few people. You don't need to trick the universe or trick the algorithms. Whoever the apps deliver to you, that's who you're meant to see in that moment. And like, let, that is okay. You know, we actually had um, a, the founder of Coffee Meets Bagel, that dating app on mm-hmm. our podcast. And we got questions very similar in our community about, you know, obviously they're trying to make a profit. Their incentive is to keep you on the app. So we brought it up to her and she was like, actually, it's the opposite because the worst people are the people that are miserable on the apps. Yeah. They're going to tell everyone out there never to use your app because they can't find love on it. The best advocates for us are the people where it works. So they're like, actually, yeah, you might lose one person, but you're going to gain like five of their friends if they feel like it's a good experience. And I mean, it's it's the same for like our podcast, right? You could say like, oh, our intention is to keep you on here forever and single so you listen. But that is like, that isn't the world that we're in. Like, that's not what we're doing. And I think dating apps are the same way. I don't believe that they're like maliciously keeping us hostage it's you know it's not in their best interest to do that they don't want stale bagels on yeah. their apps like they want fresh <laughs> meat too and there's always going to be new single people exactly exactly well and you hit on something too you that i that i really think about this is my like spiritual side coming out for everyone to see but i do think the universe brings you to the places you need to be at any given moment And I think whenever someone says, oh, I just can't meet anyone, I just can't meet anyone. My advice is to look back at yourself and the energy you're bringing to the situation. Because I know for me, the people I went on dates with, the people I matched with really correlated with where I was at in my own personal journey. The men I went out with at the beginning were very like fun to go out with, go have drinks, go have wild times. They're not someone I would have a relationship with because I Mm -hmm. wasn't really ready for that. My brain Mm -hmm. wanted to be that person like, oh, I'm ready to find the love of my life. But the reality was that was not true. But as you get healthier and healthier, the kind of people you match with match where you're at, I think it's a reflection of what you're actually looking and ready for. So when people say that, I kind of push back and say, well, maybe the answer is actually in you and it's the way you're coming and the universe is going to match you up with experiences that you're actually ready for. Mm. A hundred percent. We hear people all the time. That's like, there's no one good on the apps. It's like, if that's your mentality going in, there isn't going to be anyone good on the mm-hmm. apps. Right. Like you might as well not even be there at that point. So it is a hundred percent mindset. And what is it that you're looking for in bringing 
like to the table yourself. And Heather, like you said, dating is a mirror of you, of your experience, what you're putting out into the universe. Absolutely. Yeah. And not to like talk too much about my current relationship and how we matched. We talked at the beginning about, again, this kind of happenstance timing and whatever, bringing us together right before he and I matched, I had got out on a date with someone who ended up harassing me and I like, um, filed a police report and all of this stuff. It ended up being fine. Nothing more after that, but I had just had a video call with my now boyfriend. And then I was turned off my, I was like, I'm not, I needed a break. Right. Cause that was a pretty like not great situation. I would have missed him by like 24 hours and matching based on that situation. And I do believe that there is kind of that meant to be piece of putting yourself out there because you're not going to meet anybody unless you're putting yourself into those situations. And then there's a certain part of what we don't know how you get served the the profiles you get served. Like Heather and I will be on the dating, the same apps at the same time. We live pretty close to each other and we will see completely different people. And I don't know that's necessarily the algorithm and the theories that Tinder has a tier one and a tier two, and they're only showing you people in these certain buckets. Oh, I forgot about that theory. It's just kind of, oh, Heather, you didn't know. Yeah. And the reality is you'll probably eventually get the same people if you're on there long enough anyway. Yeah, but I think there's that piece of just like what, you know, the the right people that get served to you that you match with. And again, great for Heather and I also because we never wanted to be trying to date the same people. So it worked out well. <laughs> Although it did happen a couple times by accident. Did it? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Oh, that'd be a fun, that'd be a fun experiment. Well, we have, uh, I actually have a whole set of sister wives that we did cross over <laughs> with the same man because he was dating all of us and we didn't oh, know. Oh, shit. And now we're all really good friends and he's out of the picture entirely. <laughs> I love that. Their wives for the win. Yeah. There's no need to fight over a guy. No guy is ever worth fighting over. Nope. Fighting no. Over. All of us were um, like, we like each other better than yeah. we like him. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> this is a, a better prize. But also like, I think people say, I, I don't, there's nobody good on the apps. I don't see good people. It's like, they're not actually seeing the yeah. people. You may have, you two may have been served the same people. You just didn't see it that way. Like you just didn't. It's like we use a red car analogy. It's like if you intentionally go out, seek red cars, you'll see you'll see red cars all the time. But if you don't, you're like, I don't remember the last time I saw a red car. It's just really in the moment you're at, you're only going to see what you want to see. And I think I think you touched on this in your um, season opener, but talking about how men and women interact a little bit differently on the apps. And I think that's something Heather and I have noticed as well. Like we're scouring every single picture. Yes. A lot of times I think men tend to just look at the first one and then make a decision. And I think a lot of people do. Again, it's how are you interacting with it? Are you, you talk about taking your time? time and really like thinking through and looking at the profile. Um, because if you're just speeding on through, you probably are going to miss people. Yeah. I think though, looking at the profile too long is a mistake that people make. Mm-hmm. I just feel like it's not a good use of time. Like you don't really know where people are at in the dating process too. There's people that are on there that might not even be single. First of all, like they could just be recently into something new or they don't check the app. Spending 20 minutes dissecting someone's profile that you're never going to talk to is a giant waste of time. Mm -hmm. I would rather swipe like quicker and have that instinct and then, you know, dive into it a bit more and have that conversation and 
look at it a little more objectively when this is actually someone that could be something in the first place. I was going to say, I would always get stuck on the men would have three good pictures and one not great picture. Yes. And then I would have such a hard time because I'm like, but they were so cute in the first three, but then do they not know, is this what they yeah. really look like? Or do they just not know how to take pictures, which is often the case with men. And then yeah. I would just like have like swiping paralysis. I'm like, I don't know what yeah. to do. Yeah. But to your point, Julie, just like go for it. And then you go out with them. They don't look anything like their three pictures yeah, anyway. Any so you just yeah. like, you're like, why did I spend all this time analyzing this? That's happened now, so many do, times. What do you two think a great dating app profile does look like? Mm, I think something that showcases you. So you're like, you know, pulling people in that are right. We've seen so many people's like put up this aspirational version of themselves, like climbing Mount, Mount Kilimanjaro. It's like, I did that one time. I never go hiking ever. Don't do that. Like just do stuff that's like reflective of who you are. So you're pulling someone in to the lifestyle you want to be living. And then I think the mo- the best thing you can do, especially for women, because we know that like, you know, there needs to be that in of like, how do you get conversation? Just make yourself approachable, have, use the prompts, like use anything that you can do to invite conversation. That's better than like telling your life story or, you know, sharing every like last trait that you're looking for. Like that doesn't matter. You just need someone to take the bait so they can start talking to you. Yeah. We think that something one shouldn't really do on dating or on dating profiles is list out all the things you're looking for because you're speaking into the ether. It's like, are you out there? (laughs) This is what I'm looking for. The app, the profile is about you. So talk about yourself. What are your qualities, your traits? What is life like with you? I think that's the one question to answer and speak to one person. When you're writing the profiles, like to my ideal partner, this is my words to you. That just feels a lot more insincere than you listing out all the qualities you're looking for or what you're not looking for, which is even worse. Oh the really God, negative yeah. profiles are like, no fuck boys. No, 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 no. It's like, I mean, good for you. Uh, nobody else wants that either, but you don't need to list that out. And we always like when there's like a little bit intrigue in the profile. So maybe it's like, um, I'm really averse to watermelon. Ask me why. Yeah. Or, you know, something like, because you want to set up the other person for success and you don't want them to be like, eh, I scoured your profile and I want to know more about this. Just give them a platform to ask you a question. And that's what opens up the conversation. I say no one needs another, how is your day message? Like I don't yeah. need any more of those. Right. I think understanding how people use apps though too is really important. So like we know that women spend more time analyzing. So for men, you know, putting a little more in your profile, yes. like <laughs> in that case, like you do need to like make sure it's full. It can't be blank. And if you're debating between three photos and one is not your best one, maybe leave it off. Like, don't give people a, a reason to question you. And then for women, like having like that really great first photo is yes. super important because we know that people just swipe through and go quick. So understanding the dynamics, it doesn't mean that you have to use that to like do your own dating, but like understanding them will help 
you at least get in front of the right people and set yourself up for success that you get messages. Yeah. Two, some of the conversations I've had with some of my friends in terms of the pictures you choose, try to use real life pictures. Because I think sometimes yes. people go the brochure yeah. approach and the like, headshots. oh, I look like a Playboy bunny yeah. in all my pictures. Is that going to get me what I'm looking for? No. Maybe. If you're looking for an actual getting to know someone, creating a real connection, that's probably not the way to go. It's better to use me in a baseball cap and my clothes from yoga, getting a beer at my favorite brewery. That's probably a better thing or pictures that show you doing things that match what your real life looks like. And it really comes down to telling the truth. Yeah. Answering the question, what is life like with you? And life with you is not a Playboy mansion every day. So don't, you know, those are not the photos that are most representative or when people have the photos are so contrived. It's like they're posing, um, you know, for something or it's like a LinkedIn photo. Nobody can see who this person is. You just come off more fake than anything else. Yeah. One of the best things I did was use the site called photofeeler.com. And this oh, other- I've done that. Yeah. <laughs> and it will basically have you pick like your, you know, your focus group. So I would choose like, because I'm like interested in men, but you can choose whoever you're interested in. And I would choose the age range. And I put multiple photos of myself and actually one that, I did not think was my top photo. That one came back the strongest. Mm. So then I moved that to my first photo. So like you learn those insights. And I think the, I don't think like people spend so much time on their profile. It's like, you just need to get to the point where you're attracting enough people. Yeah, Like it doesn't need to be like this work of art, like, you know, masterpiece that you've created, but you also can't have, like, if you're not getting any results, then you need to, you need to fix that too. Yeah. I think women overestimate the role hotness plays in getting someone to want to match with you. You know, like they think, well, you know, and then my question to them is, well, do you think being physically attractive is the most interesting thing about you? Because that's what you're Mm -hmm. putting out there. Do you have anything else to say? Anything else to say about yourself? And I don't know. It is always very fascinating conversation to me because I really do think, you know, I'm part of it's society and the way that they interact with women. It's like, do you think that's the most valuable thing about yourself? And they overestimate the role that that plays in someone wanting to get to know you. Right. Right. Also, everyone has different types too. Yes. I think like, yeah. we think that there's like the one type and I am definitely guilty of having this be like a major issue for so long and then getting over this is liberating it does set you up but like it's society again it's telling you like this persona is what hot is yeah and like even you know like I don't know I think like even if I like swiped on Brad Pitt I'm not sure like I'd objectively be like he's hot but it's not like who I want to be with you know yeah exactly it's not a zero-sum game it's like the person who's swiping on the on the profile that everybody thinks is hot doesn't mean that they're not swiping on you either right Right. So you don't need to be the mass appealer. You just need to be the 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 one getting the person that you like. I think yeah. smiling too. that, yes. just, you know, looking oh, at the camera, yeah. smiling, like you'd be surprised how many oh people God. don't do that. And that especially for men, especially oh for men. Yes. yes. They smile. It's like so bare minimum. Like you don't even have to change anything about the way you look. Just smile. Yeah. Just be yourself which I know is such basic information, but it really does come back to that. I think, you know, everything important in life is something we learned in kindergarten. And I really do yeah. think that's true. But that's the question that most people can't answer is like, who am I? Yeah. Who yeah. am I? It's right? so it's a simple, question. but not. Yeah. 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 
Now, today, as we, we're getting ready to say goodbye here, but as we're wrapping up, I know our listeners would love to know what you think. Do you two think it's possible to find true love on the apps? A hundred percent. I found it. <laughs> Living it right now. Yes. <laughs> and we've talked to thousands of people that have also found it. So it's a hundred percent. No can, doubt. It's like you have the opportunity to find love in every situation. So why not use a a tool that's created solely for that purpose, right? I mean, we also say the same thing about you, your chances of finding love at Starbucks. Yeah. yeah, there's a chance, not as high as being on the apps though, because you're going to have to yeah. be at Starbucks for a few years before you find someone who's single, ready, age appropriate, <laughs> yeah. you know, like all the things. I yeah. think the, what you can't expect though, is to find love through the profile when you're just searching yeah. and having a, even a conversation, even the first date. I think the more we can just think of apps as another intro and another way to meet people, then you can. Yeah. I like that. It's kind of a closing, like you're not going to find love through a profile. No. <laughs> find the person behind the profile. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We had someone write in recently and they're like, if I'm not a hundred percent sure from their profile, should I go on a date? It's like, yes, you should. <laughs> well, Julie and Yue, um, this has been so fun. Um, I'm glad that we all have had a varied amount of experiences on dating apps to share with our listeners. And hopefully everyone feels more empowered to go out and get their best matches. And if our listeners want to find you directly, where should they go? We are all over social media at Dateable Podcast is the handle for Instagram, TikTok, etc. Or they can go to our website, datablepodcast.com. Yeah, and Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any platform we're there. Okay, everyone. So we are trying something new here on Thirsty. We are calling them date reports. And we have engaged correspondents from across the country to file field reports about the state of dating out there in the world. Today, we're talking to Catherine Mayo, consultant by day, comedian by night, and newly minted Chicago. And she's moved here from Michigan not too long ago. She's not a divorcee yet, but she is aggressively competing for the most emotionally unavailable woman in the Chicagoland area. So Catherine's here to report on perhaps one of the most challenging aspects of dating apps, how to screen potential dates, mostly eligible young bachelors. Okay, so Catherine, you've been dating here in Chicago for about six months now. You've had a hot girl summer, but now that we are in October and fall, you know, the leaves are turning colors, they're falling on the ground. Where are you at now with dating and what have you learned? So I think that the most important thing I learned, um, especially from like the summer where I had a lot of free time, my job didn't start yet into the fall where I like free time was very difficult to come by was like, don't go on a date with someone just for the sake of like having a plan that night. Um, and, and I think that like, that's, it seems obvious that like an obvious lesson learned, but I think the thing that was the thing that was most difficult for me was like going on dates with people. I was like, well, I'll give them a chance. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not busy. Why, why not? And then like, if they ended up liking you more than you like them, kind of just like the emotional fallout of that, because I mean, you, you feel bad. Cause like, in, in some ways you're like, did I just waste their time? I, they got excited about this and and I wasn't that into it. And then, you know, just also the emotional backlash of like, you feeling like crap about doing that to someone else. So like, if you know, you're not compatible, don't, no, there's like no reason to go on that date. Can I ask you a question? I want to ask you a question about that, actually. How do you yes. tell the difference between, because I know this is something that I have always wondered about. How do you like bridge the gap between 
I know I'm not really into this and I should give them a chance because maybe I'm cutting it off too early because there's like a fine balance in the middle there. How do you know which one it is? It's so tough. I mean, I feel like there's so many times and this is another lesson learned in this in the beginning of the summer where I'd say I like them, but if and I would give them another chance, but only if they asked me and I'm being very passive about this. I'm I'm letting this other person decide, even though I know I'm not into it. If I think about like, what is the the fine line for me? It's like, okay, for the next year, are our goals going to be like compatible, congruent, or as well as like, like from a day-to-day perspective of like, okay, I'm going to make time for them in my busy schedule, as well as like, okay, I could see like in the next year, we would have something to build off of. Yeah. Those are all good things to think about. And I think it is hard to know the difference sometimes. And you, it, I don't know. I think we're always like so hard on each, on ourselves. Like we want to be empowered and take charge of our dating lives. But then also sometimes you just also have to be humble and be like, but I don't know everything. And so sometimes it makes things difficult, I think, to know how to move forward. Few, I know there are a few other lessons that you learned this summer. What were some of those? Um, I'd say the second lesson was um, be bold and send the first like. Um, I, again, like not being passive. So I think that, so I, I got out of a relationship and then I kind of went through like almost a year hiatus of dating, just kind of like, let me just love myself and figure out my dating goals and things like that. I think that when I was getting back into it, I was like, oh yeah, I'm hoping to be courted. And it's like, it's a dating app. It's not like I'm in a Pride and Prejudice novel. Like you have to be engaged and involved. And I also like, this is, this is probably like in some ways, um, conspiracy theories about like dating apps, but like, I do think that the less you engage, the more like they're not going to like, I think that algorithm is going to pay attention to that. And I, I know that like, for example, they'll be like, oh, we're not going to give you your most compatible anymore. Oh, like I think it noticed when you're not doing it a lot. Yeah, no, that's yeah. for sure. Um, okay. Yeah. So today we're talking a little bit about how to screen dates before you go out with them and trying to get better at that. When have you gotten the screen totally wrong. So I remember right before I went to business school, I was living in Seattle. I was living and dating in Seattle for like five, six years. Um, and I had this kind of like, like I, I had this mental hang up about, I was a job snob is what I call it. So like, I always had this feeling of like, Oh, I want to date another consultant or like professional because they'll be able to talk about like a wide range of topics. In a lot of ways, I wasn't giving like guys that are like very well traveled or had very untraditional backgrounds, but like, you know, could talk about so much in the world, a a shot until like, I one time like randomly met this guy who was a bartender in San Francisco. And he was, you know, very well traveled, like, you know, he was like a problem solver, he did stand up. Um, And it was like, one of those things where I was like, why am I doing this thing? Like, why am I swiping left on people that aren't, you know, like white collar professionals? And like, as opposed to looking at people's jobs, I was like, okay, like, are these people able to talk? Like, what is the thing I value about this? about these like good jobs and like, how can I get it in other ways that aren't just like, Oh, you went to this school or have this title. Yeah. There's more to it. Now Mm -hmm. for you, what are your top pieces of advice for screening? Um, whenever you are matching with someone on the app and deciding if you want to take the next step. So I remember someone told me, um, told me this advice. It was ask people like how they fill their time as opposed to like what they do for both hobbies and, and work. And like, I think you can glean that a lot from apps. Like, you know, in Chicago, for example, there's this thing called the playpen and it's like kind of like, like it's basically like all the guys that want to still live in fraternity life that buy boats and like are in this like area of Lake Michigan partying. I've been to the playpen this past summer, like, uh, you know, unapologetically, but I have gone 
like twice, you know? And so like, if someone has like four pitchers from the playpen, I'm like, we're not going to fill our time exactly the same way. But like, I also know people that are like swiping, like right for like avid hikers. And I'm like, you don't really like, like to hike that much. So it's like, I, I think like, yes. in pitchers, you're like, Oh, this person's really cool. They're active. But you're like, if that's not who you use, it's not going to work well. Yeah. Is it the same kind of active that you are or something you'd be interested in getting to know more about? But yeah, I also, um, another thing that I thought was, um, interesting was like protect your time as well. Like I, I remember I matched with this guy and like every answer he had was like related to LaCroix Lemoncello. I, and at first it was like, Oh, is this like a bit or something? And we went on the state and I brought like a LaCroix as like a joke. And he was like, Oh, well, you know, like I, I just made that all those like responses up because like, online dating is like ridiculous and I don't enjoy it. And I'm like, well, if, if you're going to be like flipping about online dating, you're wasting my time. And so if, if someone has like low effort in their, uh, in their profile, I'm like, they're going to not be like a high effort person in the relationship. Yeah, no, that's true. A lot. And well, a lot of times too, someone said this to me once, like the things that you are a little bit concerned about in the beginning, they don't go away. Um, so I always, I, I call them like yellow flags. Like I just need to keep mm-hmm. an eye on it. Is this a real thing? Or it was just like something that happened once. Um, but I think, you know, they talk about red flags, green flags. I do think there are a lot of yellow flags and that keeps me from making snap judgments at the beginning. It's just like, mm, I noticed that, but I'm just going to keep an eye on it and see if this is a real thing or if that's just like a one-off that happened one time. Yeah. It was funny because I'm thinking about the same guy and it was like, I remember he and I were like texted a little bit afterwards, but it went nowhere. And that was enough. That was like a guy that I'd be like, oh, I would go on a second date with him. But if there's not a lot of effort here, like I'm not going to give him any more of my time. Yeah, no, that makes sense. All right. So I think that's all the time that we've got here today. Catherine, where can people find you if they want to hear more from you? So I'm on Instagram at Catherine Mayo. So K-A-T-H-R-Y-N-M-I-O. So the most, the least common spelling of Catherine and then one of the longest last names ever. So yeah. Yeah. Catherine's uh, real last name is like 807 characters. So she, uh, she made it smaller to Maya. <laughs> but we will also, we will link Catherine's information in the show notes. So if you can't remember what we just said, you can just look the show notes and look that up. Um, we'll also tag her on social so you can easily find her there. And thank you everyone for joining us today. We are going to be back next week with a topic that I personally am so excited to finally bring on this podcast. We wanted to do this for a long time and we're finally doing it with someone who is a leading voice in this area. And I cannot be more excited. We're going to talk about moving on from monogamy. There's a lot of times coming out of divorce. That's a chance to think about is monogamy for me? Am I even straight? Do what, you know, there are all these like questions that a lot of people coming out of divorce have that they are working through. Maybe life can be a little bit different from the way you've been living it. And some of those things that you've been interested in exploring or trying out, or maybe have just been pushing down for years at a time. This is your chance to learn more about it and consider if it's something you want to try for yourself. But until then, everyone have a great week and we will see you soon. Thank you. Still thirsty? You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Thirsty the Podcast. Share this show with your community. Rate, review, and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Media Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram at Dateable Podcast and visit datablepodcast.com for access to all the episodes and our premium programs. Also, make sure to subscribe today if you haven't already on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform so you are the first to get all the latest episodes. And most importantly, stay dateable. Say
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.